Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. And Heavenly Father, you are Lord of all. Whether we acknowledge it or not, you reign supreme in heaven, Lord, and we, we as your community, want you to be our Lord and King on a daily basis, not just on a Sunday, uh, but throughout the week, Lord. We acknowledge your sovereignty. We acknowledge your kingship over our lives. And Lord, today we just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that it wouldn't be my words, it would be you, uh, that I would become less and you would become more. And uh, Lord, I continue to pray that as a church, as a team, uh, that we become less and that you become more, that we would glorify you in all that we say, do and think. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are starting a bit of a four-week series on worship. Now, worship is something I trust that you love. It's one of the few things that you guys get to do to participate on, on a Sunday is, is worship. It's the response. It's, uh, it's something you do, and it's uh, something that draws us together, which is really, really cool. Now, Louis Giglio, is a bit of, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Louis Giglio, and uh, he's got a beautiful definition. I was trying to write one beautifully for you, but um, I'm going to use his because this is way better. And uh, this is worship. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is, what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. How good is that? I'm going to read it again. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I'm going to read it again because it's good. Uh, Worship is our response, both personal and corporate. That's us together. To God for who he is, what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. See, worship is more than just an act, it's a lifestyle. Worship isn't something you do, it's who you are. It's something who you're called to be. That is what worship is. Uh, In many ways, we are created to worship. And I I would say that even people who don't know God worship God in in ways. And let me explain. Uh, When you're in nature... Out in the wilderness, what do you do? You have like awe-inspiring moments. You go to the Grand Canyon. Anyone been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, go you. Uh, not me. Um, but apparently it's awesome. You're standing in this humongous thing and it's awesome. I've been on top of incredibly high mountaintops. What is it? It's awesome. You see, creation has this effect on us where we're like, wow, the wow factor of creation. And so even though uh, many people don't know God, I'd say everyone in humanity has this inbuilt desire to say wow at the things of God. And so people who don't know God are still impressed by God, even though they don't know God. And as believers, we cannot just know and be impressed by the things God has done, but we we can know and be in awe of God himself. And that is the heartbeat, the, the, the wellspring of worship is, is in that wow moment. Has anyone had wow moments? Wow moments where you're just like, wow, God, you're incredible. You are just magnificent. Um, being in Israel for me was wow moments. It was wow moments continually. Uh, just amazing how big God is, how amazing he is. So we are all created to worship. That's natural. And does anyone else feel like this? When you start worshipping God and you tune out of everything else, you feel like home. Just 
You feel like home. Like I've been away for a month and how good is your bed when you come home? It's just like, oh. It's just, it's just home. There's something beautiful about it. And that is the worship is when we're worshipping and we tune out the people up the front, we tune out the volume, the lights or the lack of lights, we tune out all the details and we come back to the person of God, we just feel like home and it's awesome, church. It is so good that we can feel that, that sense of awe. But as we journey through life, one of the dangers as believers is that we can lose that sense of awe. We've, we've uh, got a bunch of young youth who've, who've come to faith and it's really exciting watching young people so excited about Jesus they don't know anything about him. They've got no theology. And they're like, I love this guy. They're, they're reading their Bible. They're devouring their Bible. They can't get enough of God. And it's, it's awesome to see their love for God. But we can lose that awe of how big, how amazing, how incredible God is. We can lose that. And in a similar kind of way, our approach can be like high-fiving the Queen. Like, if you ever pictured meeting the Queen, you don't go up and high-five the Queen. I've never seen it done. <laughs> I would love to be the first to high-five the Queen. But there would be a sense of, this is not right. There's no dignity in that. Um, the Queen does not high-five anyone. Um, you'd probably get shot before you get close. Uh, but the Queen is dignified, and there's a sense of respect and reverence and awe in coming to the Queen. But sometimes in our, in, in our Christian walk, we can be so familiar. We can be so familiar, we actually stop worshipping God. God becomes our friend. We're like buddies with God. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you read any of the Old Testament? Like God is a consuming fire. He is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. Um, everyone in the Bible who had encounters with God were filled with fear. Like, and then we get to the New Testament, we're like, oh yeah, buddies. It's like, whoa, you know, God is awesome. And the, the, the worship that we, we bring is, is considering how incredibly amazing, and I'm struggling to find words. The English language is very limited to describe the things of God. But finding words that express just how incredible God is. But the danger is that we can stop worshipping him because we're so familiar with him. Jesus had the same problem in his hometown. They're like too familiar with him. They couldn't see God, his divinity. They're like, oh, Jesus, we, he, we grew up with him. He's, just, he's just, just a boy, just a kid. They couldn't see the God factor in him. They couldn't see his divinity. And in, as we go in church, we can, we can come to church, we can worship, we can go through the rhythms of life. You can build an amazing Christian experience and miss the heartbeat of God himself. But God is an awesome God and we, it changes how we approach our approach to God is really, 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 really significant. Um, Ecclesiastes 5, what Alan read. Oh, I'm a bit slow, sorry. Holidays. We can become too familiar. We've done that one. Here we go. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And I'm, I'm glad Alan said that because that's the part that stuck out to me. Guard your steps when you come to the house of God. And it's not just the house of God because the temple no longer exists. You are actually now the temple. So in a, in a way, it's, it's an attitude. We guard our attitude of how we come to God, our posture of coming to God. That's really, really important. <clears throat> and if we don't have a right attitude in how we come, we can miss connecting, experiencing, and enjoying God. But let's, let's run through how people approached the presence of God in the Old Testament. <clears throat> And I wonder if anyone's done this this morning, all right? So bear with me. 
once, uh, once a year, someone was able to enter the presence of God in the Old Testament for one day. One person, one day. So if you were lucky enough to be that person, the high priest entering into the presence of God for one day, for once a year, uh, you would have to go seven days of ritual cleansing and purification, seven days before the Day of Atonement. You'd have to wear super special garments um, with like pomegranates stitched in the hands and it's just this ornate, incredible garment, gown. Um, and you'd have to offer sacrifices for yourself and for the sins of people, um, a bull for the sin offering and a ram for the burnt offering for himself. Um, on your way in, you'd have to burn incense on a golden altar inside the holy place, creating a cloud of smoke that would cover the mercy seat, the top of the ark and covenant and the holies of holies. Uh, you would carry two censers. You'd have like a little container uh, burning incense, um, one with coal and incense, and the other one with the, bull, the blood of bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. This is how the approach was to come into the presence of God. Now, I'm hoping no one's done any of that on your way to church this morning, okay? No, no dead animals, okay? We're not down with that. Um, but it's, it's what God is saying is he's saying, I want you to recognise the significance of who I am. I don't want you to just be mates with me. We are called to be family and friends. He's an Abba Father, so we have intimacy with him. But he wants us to recognise, A, firstly, the significance of sin and also the significance of salvation. See, that process, that huge painful process of trying to deal with sin in a limited capacity paved the way for Jesus. And so because of Jesus, we don't have to do that. We don't have to go through the process of purification and ritual to get to the presence of God. We can, we can just enjoy God because he is with us, he is in us. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and King, we, we, he is a, a part of us. But then we choose to engage with him in that space. And we start to appreciate how good is it that Jesus came, that we can experience God daily, church. I'm not just talking Sunday, I'm saying Monday to Saturday. We can experience him continually. It's significant. Uh, Jesus became our high priest, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God. And so as, as the people would approach the temple, you can see it in this picture here. The, the builders of the temple intentionally built things to help people approach God in a particular way. Now, if you look at those steps... You can't really see it, but they're all different lengths. Now, if, if that was built today, people would be suing for trip hazards. But back then, the builders of the temple built the steps with short and long, short and long, all over the place, different dimensions, steps. Why? Because when they came to the temple, you couldn't run up a set of steps. It forced Israel to slow down and consider why they're even there. See, to go to the temple, and the Jews were required to go to the temple throughout the year uh, to sacrifice worship and, and all this, uh, they would, it was a big deal. Like, it's not like jumping in the local car and driving two minutes down to church. It was like, often like a week journey to get to the temple on horseback and carrying all your stuff and all your things. You're worrying about food, worrying about accommodation, worrying about all the things. And they'd get to the temple and they're like, why are we even here? They forgot why they were there. And so the steps are a way of slowing down and considering 
how incredible God is. And as they would slow down, they would look up and see the incredible, magnificent temple that Solomon built. And he would force people to consider how big, how good, how glorious, how magnificent God truly is. And I wonder for us, you know, this morning, how many of us sculpted down a coffee, jumped in the car, dragged the kids in the car, scooted down, made it just before nine o'clock. And it's like, it's so easy to do. This is not a judgment. This is just reality. This is that we can just go through the motions of, of life and, and forget the significance of God. Like we are called to worship. We are designed to worship and to consider how incredible God is. God is just not like a mate. He is ruler supreme. He breathed the stars and constellations into existence. Now, if you get your head around that, you're doing well, because I can't. I can't fathom that at all. He breathed the galaxies into existence. He spoke them. And that is incredible when we start to soak in that incredible revelation of what he has done. Because <clears throat> what that does is, is when we consider how big God is, we're forced to walk in humility. When we consider how big and how great and how glorious God is, it makes me feel really small, but really small in a good way. See, the God who is so big chose to save me and you. So you have significance, even though it's small. It's not a humility saying you're not valued. You're incredibly valued. You're the centerpiece of creation, humanity. But God is, is worth our adoration and praise. He is worth our worship. <clears throat> and it forces us to consider. This is what Solomon's saying. Hey, guard your steps as you come to the temple. Consider why you are here. Consider why, why we meet with God, why we, why we read our Bible. Sometimes we can read our Bible like, I'm just going to smash out James. I'm going to smash out these books and tick the box. Consider the God of creation is living and breathing through those words. Pause and slow down and enjoy the journey of God, church. Enjoy him. And verse 5 continues. It says, Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do. So the first task of the believer is to go to listen with a view of obeying, attentive to every move. A sacrifice of fools is someone who does or serves or gives without encountering God. And I would encourage this church, please do not give us money, do not tithe if your heart's not in it. Please don't do anything out of obligation. Please, please, please don't. We want your heart to be so in love and worship of God that it's a natural response. You just can't help but want to be a part and be generous, and that's great. But our, but our heart is... We need to be, our heart needs to be in all that we do. Now, why have I got a picture of the queen in her bag? I love the queen. Not saying much about king, but um, I, I like the queen. Now, um, the queen had his, has this bag, and it's on the internet, so it must, must be true, but the queen would communicate with her handbag. Has anyone else heard that? She would put her handbag on the table, and if you, she put her handbag on the table, purportedly it meant that she wanted her attendants to wrap up the conversation in five to ten minutes. She's like, well, I'm winding up. You're getting boring. Uh, maybe you could try this at home you know, with your family. <clears throat> um, if she turned her ring like this, uh, it meant to her attendants, this person needs to go now. This is, uh, let's move. Uh, and so her tenants were watching and waiting her every move and it'd be like, what is she going to do? What is she communicating? 
Um, if she put her handbag on the floor, uh, that was really bad. That was like, you need to swoop in with armies and come rescue her kind of scenario. And, and so she would continually communicate uh, all these things through her purse because she's dignified. She wasn't going to raise her voice. She wasn't going to tell someone it's time for them to leave. She got all the people around her to do it. Um, but she communicated, and in many ways, her tenants would have to be so incredibly attentive to her every move. She was communicating so much through her purse and through her little acts to the people around her. And if I imagine someone new to the job for the first time in the Queen's Court and finishing the day, and it's just like, well, that was boring, or whatever and um, talking to someone who's been there for a while, and someone who's been there for a while is like, man, I can't believe how much the Queen was telling us all. I can't believe how much was being said. I can't believe how much was being shared, encouraged. And that can be a bit like us. You know, people who are attentive to God can see God at work in so many things. We can hear God at work. Oh, wow, God is so active because we're listening and wanting and watching and waiting and leaning and being attentive as believers. Attentive. This is what Solomon is saying. Hey, be attentive to God. I have been amazed the last few years how much God speaks. What's changed? God hasn't changed. But I've expected and seen that he actually wants to speak daily, continually, all the time. I'm like, wow, God has been so incredible in speaking and it's, it's that capacity for us as believers to lean in and recognise how much his spirit is alive and active in you. You've got to, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got living, breathing God, his spirit living and breathing in you. And it's active. God's spirit is not dead. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-when-you-die card to be saved forever. The whole point of his spirit being in you is that you could live in and through you. You come alive in him. You experience him. Listen to him. But it's that attentive, leaning in, listening to God. God is never going to force you. I'm not saying God's like the queen, but he, he's a gentleman. He's, he's not going to force his will on you. He wants us to lean in, to be attentive to his leading and respond in obedience. I am... Um, I, practically, let's get real practical for that. Um, I've, I've got a number of these notebooks, and um, I've got a habit now of taking notebooks pretty much everywhere I go. I've got some in the car, I've got them lying around the house, and the reason being is that I want to capture what God is saying. When I'm at work, when I'm at home, when I'm not while I'm playing soccer, but any other place, um, I've, I want to record, I want to take hold of what God is saying. and. and I want to be attentive. And as a church, I, I, my encouragement for us as a church is that we lean in, we listen, we guard carefully how we come, we watch our approach, but we listen to God first. We don't spend our time telling God what he needs to do, telling God or how to God. But we would take hold and be attentive to what he's saying. And, and I was thinking today, oh, I'd love to buy everyone a notebook and so you guys can all bring notebooks to church. And I'm like, well, I actually want you guys to own that yourself. So my encouragement would be go, go this week, go buy a notebook. Start journaling, write things. That's something Pastor Paul does really well. He journals continually, writing down the things that God speaks to him and encourages him. And you'll be amazed at how much God speaks when you start to take notice and lean into it and respond. I love it when people bring, it encourages me so much as a, as a pastor, seeing people bring their notebooks and writing stuff down that God is speaking to them, leaning into him. That's real practical. Good job, Sam. Uh, but the second thing is this is to be intentional 
and take our faith seriously. And this is what Solomon continues. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the works of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. That's not be afraid of God. That's being in awe of God. Let's put the awe back into awesome. Awesome is my favorite word, if you haven't picked up over the last eight years. Uh, every sermon has awesome. And I overuse it. It's lost the awe. So I want to put the awe back in awesome because God is an awesome God. He reigns above us. He reigns supreme. And we get to spend eternity in his presence. And, and it's as good as it is sitting in nature, soaking in his, his creation, how much better is it going to be soaking in the presence of God for eternity? And we can experience that now. We can start to experience that. Like, it's, we don't have to wait till we die to start to experience his presence and his goodness and his faithfulness now. If, if worship isn't a lifestyle for us, I would suggest, and you might, I might be wrong, but I would suggest your view of God is too small. If worship isn't something that you do, in your life daily, I'm not talking Sunday, I'm talking throughout the week, if, if worship is not a natural experience for you, I want to suggest today your view of God is too small. Because when you consider how big God is, our response is, wow. You cannot go to the Grand Canyon and not say, wow. I'm sure there's a rule there somewhere. You have to say, wow. No, you don't have to say, wow. You just want to say, wow, because it's amazing. When you consider how big and how glorious and how magnificent God is, your natural response is, wow, you're incredible, God. You're absolutely incredible. And so I want to encourage you, get into the word of God. If, you, if your view of God, if worship's not a thing for you, you don't necessarily go to it, I want to encourage you to dig into the word of God. The word of God gives us an incredible picture of how big God is. A couple of verses that jump out to me, I love Revelation. Revelation's full of incredible wow pictures of God. Uh, Revelation 2 uh, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like the blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Wow! Uh, Isaiah, I mean, the whole book of Isaiah is incredible. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says this, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and his train filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. I don't even know what a seraphim looks like, but I can't wait, wait to meet one, I think. Each with six wings, this is like a horror movie, with two wings that cover their face and two that cover their feet and two that were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Wow! When the prophet Isaiah has a revelation of God, he feels really small and he, and he recognises how good God is. And, 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 and as we consider how big God is, we start to naturally walk with humility. And the beautiful thing about naturally walking with humility is we allow God to use us and to work through us in powerful ways. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so humility is a beautiful thing. It's, it's a byproduct of humility is, is God working. And uh, so it's a beautiful thing. A revelation of who God is will draw us into worship naturally. So I want to encourage us, immerse yourself in God's word. 
immerse yourself in nature. If, if, if maybe that's your thing, of, yes, I love getting out into the bush and seeing God, seeing him at work. He reminds, us, reminds me of his character. It's so good. Soaking in the character of God in word and worship makes me small, not in significance, but in prominence. Humility is our natural response as we grow in understanding the character of God. The world seeks awe in creation. We find awe in the creator. He is bigger than your problems. His grace is stronger than your failings. His love is stronger than your disappointments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you give us a revelation of who you are? Lord, would you continue to open our eyes to how significant you are? Lord, would you challenge our hearts that we wouldn't be apathetic or, or flippant with how we come to you, but we would come to you with a sincerity that says, yes, we want you to be our Lord and King. Lord, this year as we start with all the great ideas of, of doing this year better, Lord, I pray that we would put you first in all that we do. Our New Year's resolution is nothing but you. More of you, more engagement with you, this listening, being attentive to you. Lord, I pray that as, as your people, that we would hear your voice with greater clarity. Lord, that we would respond in obedience. Lord, help us to walk in that humility. We are in desire and need you. In Jesus' name, amen.